Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. We're all thumb- oh, look at that. We're getting thumbs up now. Okay, so I was talking about methamphetamines, which is uh, a drug which has become a lot more prevalent in Australian and Western society in, in recent years. And it's, uh, it has three forms, uh, the, the uh, uh, base, speed, and crystal methamphetamine, which is crystal methamphetamine, also known as ice, is the most powerful and effective one. And that is the one that has really grown in, in prevalence. And it's a, it's a, it's a stimulant. So, so when people take ice, they, they become hyperactive, uh, accelerated heart rate. Uh, they become very hot. Their, their body is just amped up. Uh, they, they can uh, sleeplessness is, is that so they just don't sleep while they are on a on a high uh, and uh, also itchiness skin rashes erratic behavior even just normal normal use of ice can bring uh, uh, schizophrenia paranoia but what is particularly dangerous about ice is that after sustained use and and after sometimes you know 13 12 13 14 days of of continuous use that a user is on a binge their body just can't cope with it anymore and they enter a stage called tweaking and and it's where no matter how much drug they have they they get these side effects of withdrawal and they can become even more there's just no chance of sleep they become more paranoid a lot of mental illness starts to occur and schizophrenia and the heat often causes them to take off their clothes and run naked through streets. Uh, extra strong, they become sort of incredibly strong. So it's quite frightening for uh, our first our health responders, police who get called to these ice addicts who are on this, uh, on, who are tweaking. Uh, it's very, very frightening. And it, it reminded me a bit of what it must have been like for Jesus and his disciples when they encountered this man we're going to look at in Luke chapter 8 this morning this uh, demoniac of Gerasene, a man who was demon-possessed and exhibiting some very frightening behaviours. It's in in Luke chapter 8, and the story goes from 26 to 39. Verse 26, They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chain and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the sleep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this into the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet, 
dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. This is the fourth uh, exorcism or the, the driving out of demons that Jesus has performed in the, in the book of Luke. And it's probably the longest account, but there's a number of other distinctives to it as well. The first is this man was a Gentile. The land of the Gerasenes was across the other side of the Lake of Galilee and, and this man was a Greek, not, not a Jew. Uh, second thing is that this is the only account we have where a person was possessed by multiple demons. There are a number of demons who are in this man, legion, uh, the Roman uh, uh, designation for 6,000 troops. So I don't know if there were 6,000 demons in there, but there were, there were a lot. And this is the only exorcism or driving out of demons which seems to involve animals in, in any form. And Jesus drives the animals or send, allows the, animal, the, the demons to enter into the, the pigs. Another distinctive of this is that Jesus initiates this. If you go back to verse 22, uh, which is the, the story of the calming of the storm, which occurs immediately before this, it's, it's, it says in verse 22, One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. And so out of the blue, Jesus gets up one morning and says, guys, we're in, we're in Israel now, or, or Jewish territory. Let's go over to the, the other side of the lake. And, and the, the, the story of the Jesus calming the storm is occurring because Jesus has, has sent the disciples or called the disciples to go from, one, from Jewish territory into Gentile territory. And it's not beyond the realms of possibility that the storm is satanic as well. And that Satan didn't want Jesus to go over to the other side of the lake and raises up the storm and Jesus calms the storm as, as part of his victory over, over Satan as well. The third thing we can note in this his story is just the horrific, terrible state of the man. That he is, he is he's possessed, uh, he, is, he is harming himself, he is in isolation, he's, he's living in a... In a, in a graveyard, he, he's shrieking, he's gyrating, he's throwing himself around. He sounds a bit like the lead singer of many rock bands. And, and he's in a terrible state. And, and, and there's this, this moment where, where Jesus, Jesus only says two things in this whole story. But, but Jesus sees the man and then the first thing he says to him as, as, he, as he comes to him is, what is your name? And the man cannot answer. It's the demon that speaks, or the demons that speak through him. He's been so dehumanised. His, his identity has been so destroyed that he no longer has a name. He's just this, this, this vessel of the, these horrific, horrible demons who are doing their terrible work within him. Another distinctive thing about this story, of course, is the whole thing about the pigs. And uh, many people read this and say Jesus has done the wrong thing in killing all of those pigs. 
it's a, it's a, it's a complicated one. It's a, there's, there's a debate there. But we can certainly see that the pigs play a very important part in this story. Uh, the, the first thing is that they, they show the sort of destruction that is, is being wreaked by the demons in this man and in this world. Pigs can swim. They can't fly, but they can swim. In fact, they're very good swimmers. And so it is not going into the lake which destroys the pigs. It's the demons in the pigs that destroy them. And they serve the other role of being the proof of deliverance so that, that the man who is demon-possessed, you can't see that unless you see his behaviour, but that this Jesus is showing that the demons have moved out of the man into another place, in this case, into the herd of pigs. And the pigs are also that demonstration of Jesus' power, the whole way that the demons are shrieking and horrified and tormented by Jesus and what he says, or even when he gives just his permission, the, 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 the demons follow his directions absolutely and leave the man and go into the pigs. And so it's probably useful for us to stop at this moment. This is all pretty weird stuff, isn't it? That in the Western world, we, we don't see this sort of thing going on, this sort of level of visible manifestation of evil and the bizarre things that are going on in this, in this story. But as Christians who hold the Christian worldview, we do believe in demons and Satan. We do believe that there, is, there are evil forces at work in the world. We don't see them here in the West. But you speak to, particularly to missionaries coming back from, from developing countries, they see them all the time. And they, 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 there are visible manifestations of, of demons and satanic activity in, 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 in many places around the world. We don't see it here. I was particularly struck by watching a video interview of a, a man in Papua New Guinea who said that before the Christian missionaries came to Papua New Guinea, we never went out at night. We were so terrified of the evil forces and the evil things that went on in our village at night that we stayed in our huts. He says, when the kingdom of God came, they cast the demons out. And now we are safe to, to go out at night. And you hear those sorts of stories all the time coming from, from the developing world. Why don't we see demonic behaviour manifest in Australia? Well, again, I think we can be thankful to C.S. Lewis in uh, the wonderful book, uh, The Screwtape Letters, that story which reveals the way that demons and, and Satan plot to undermine God's work in places like Australia. And, and in that story, the, the demons deliberately keep a low profile. They, they work behind the scenes, they work invisibly, because if they expose themselves... If they come out in public, the Christians who are sort of in a state of apathy will be sparked into action. That when we, if we were to see demons manifest themselves and Satan manifest themselves, we would pray a lot more fiercely and we would be a lot more aware of the evil that was going on around us. But Lewis is right that there is evil stuff going on around us all of the time and we are not aware of it. And Satan and the demons are perfectly happy to keep it that way. Because while they're invisible, we don't resist them. And they can do their terrible acts of destruction around us. And they really don't care whether we know they're responsible or not. What they're interested in is destruction. 
a counteracting of God's work in the world. God is creative. God is the God of order. God is the God of wholeness. Satan is about destruction, about tearing down everything good in this world. But even though we can't see the demons operating visibly the way that they do in this story, we can certainly see the product of their work. I don't know if you were struck by I am, but the, the similarity between the symptoms of methamphetamine addiction and this man. Very different causes, but the same evil forces working behind the scenes to produce destruction, particularly self destructive behaviours that we see in, in drug addicts. And certainly drug addiction is a, is a biochemical matter. There, there is things going on in the physical body that can be scientifically measured as well. And maybe, you know, not all drug addiction we can say is demonic or evil. But this story would suggest to us that we can't rule it out altogether. Not all drug addiction is the product of demons and Satan, but at least some of it is. And I think we can see it also in mental illness. Again, don't let me say that they meant, oh, everybody who's got a mental illness is possessed. It's a biochemical thing. It's a, it's a personality thing. It's, a, it's an environment thing. It's an upbringing thing. The experiences that people have uh, can, can be involved in producing mental illness. But if we read the New Testament and we have a Christian worldview, we've got to also conclude that at least some of mental illness is the work of Satan and his demons in the background. Don't go off your medication, don't stop seeing your therapist, but take into account that this could be a spiritual activity going on as well in your life or in the life of somebody you love. And finally, I think we can see the work of Satan and his demons in the evil institutions in our world. In Ephesians 6, chapter 12, Paul says, Our war is against the rulers and the powers and the authorities of this dark world. The rulers and the powers and the authorities of this dark world. That's who we are battling against. And if you encounter uh, an organisation or a culture that causes people to abuse or causes people to destroy themselves, or if you, if you are involved in or see an organisation or a culture where people are abused, where people are isolated. Those bear the fingerprints of Satan and his evil forces. They will use any instrument they can, including uh, governments and, and, and organisations, to destroy people or to encourage people to destroy themselves. That's the bad news. The good news is that Jesus deals with Satan by his word, just by his word. Even his very presence, as he comes and approaches the man, brings a terrified, shrieking response from the forces of evil. So those forces that seemed insurmountable, that seemed as though humans couldn't contain, that they tried to chain the guy up and he broke the chains, he ran away, he destroys himself, he destroys people around him, flee at the word of Jesus. And the word in verse 36, where it says that the people are saying that the man has been cured, is, is the Greek word sozo, which is better translated as saved. The man wasn't just cured, 
He was saved in every way, physically, spiritually, emotionally, socially. Jesus came and saved the man. It's the word we get salvation from. Jesus is not just our healer. Jesus is our saviour. He is our salvation. And, and this man, this, this, this wretched, tortured, self-destructive man is taken. He, he goes from being naked to being clothed. He goes from, from wandering around the graveyards to sitting at the feet of Jesus. He goes from being a shrieking maniac to a quiet man. He goes from the place of the dead in the tombs to the world of the living. He goes from being insane to being perfectly sane. And the way Luca arranges this story is that he wants to emphasise a couple of things. And one of the things he wants to emphasise is, is the words of Jesus at the end of there. He says in verse 39, return home. We don't know, but how long had it been since this man had been home? How long had these demons been wreaking this havoc in his life? And Jesus, as part of his, his salvation of this man, is to say to him, go home. Go and see your family again. Go and re-enter the world which God would have you live in. I think there's a few lessons for us in this story. One is that encountering the holiness of Jesus, encountering the power of Jesus, can bring fear. So that's what happens here, that the, 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 the villagers respond to Jesus not with excitement, not with thankfulness, not with worship, but with fear. Twice in the text, they're, they're described as being fearful and, and the outcome is that they come to Jesus and say, go away, we, we don't want you here, we don't want you doing what you're doing here amongst us. There's a bit of debate as to why they have that sort of response. One school of thought is that they're very upset with Jesus because he's killed all their pigs. That they were their, 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 the income for the, for the village and the countryside and, and they're annoyed with him that he's killed the pigs and so they send him away. But they don't mention pigs. When they come to Jesus, they're not, they're not saying, you've killed our pigs, we want you to leave. The reason they come to Jesus and tell him to go away is because they're frightened of what he's done. They're terrified about this, this demonstration of holiness and power that has been brought into this, this evil situation. And incredibly, they end up saying to Jesus, we would prefer to have the maniac than to have you. We would have preferred if you just left this guy raging around the, the tombs out there, causing havoc and being tormented, than you coming in here and, and, and changing everything and disturbing everything. Because that's what Jesus does. When Jesus comes into our lives with his holiness and his authority, he changes things. He rocks the boat. He disturbs the status quo. And we sort of get comfortable with our demons, don't we? We, 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 we like the way things are. They're not perfect. They're, they're, there's some stuff going on there, but, but at least we're, we're comfortable with it. And Jesus has this habit of disturbing the peace. And I've got a sneaking suspicion that if he was to turn up in my life and perhaps turn up in your life, 
our response would not be hallelujahs and worship and joy and thankfulness. Our response would be, oh, Jesus, just give us a bit of space. It's just, you're just a bit too holy. You're, you, you, just want to, you just want to change things in my life more than I'm really comfortable with. I've sort of grown a bit comfortable with my demons. I think the second lesson for us from this story is that we have to tell what Jesus has done for us. Again, Luke has very carefully arranged the story so it ends with this note that so in verse 39. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. It's different in the other Gospels, the way this story has been arranged, and it's because Luke, what a really, that's his message for us. It's a different response from the villagers. They tell Jesus to go away, but the response of the man is to go and tell the people in his home what Jesus has done for them. And it's just Luke's way of reminding us that we need to tell the stories of what Jesus has done for us on our front lines and go and communicate what he's done. The third and perhaps the biggest lesson from here, though, is that the only way to deal with evil in this world is through the power of prayer, through the power of Jesus. The bad news of the story is just how destructive and how insidious is the work of Satan and his demons. The good news of the story is that it only takes prayer and the calling of the name of Jesus to destroy those, to force out those evil forces. But it's also pointing to the fact that anything else that we do will only hinder Satan, it will never stop him. The people of the village who tried to chain this guy up, they tried to control him, they tried to send him out of town so he wouldn't disturb them. But he broke the chains, he roamed wildly, he carried on with his, his destructive behaviour. And we need to be careful from thinking that, that health care, as good as health care is for drug addiction and for mental illness, as good as policy formation is to oppose evil institutions and, and abuse and racism and, and sexism and the things that happen in our society, as good as those things are, they will never defeat Satan. They might hinder him. They might slow him down. We should never give up doing those things. But in the end, the only thing that will defeat Satan is the power of Jesus. And the only way we can access the power of Jesus is through prayer. And we need to be bold in our prayer. I know in my life so often prayer about spiritual battles is the last thing I go to. When something goes wrong, I try this and I try this and I try this and then finally I go, oh, I wonder if this is spiritual. I wonder if this is Satan and the demons at work here. And then I pray about it and, oh, look at that, it goes away. I don't think I'm alone in that. I think in our Western world, we're, we're, we're falling into the trap. So Satan and his demons can work quietly around us. They can work invisibly around us, wreaking havoc in our lives and ha havoc in our families and havoc in our society. And we don't even realise they're doing it. And it's only at the end of it we go, ah, Maybe I need to pray about this. So be bold in your prayer. Go to the spiritual weapons first on your front line. If there's somebody you know who's an addict, give them all the support you can, but don't forget to pray. 
that the power of Jesus would cast a demon out of that person if that's what's going on. Somebody with mental illness, don't ever tell them to stop getting treatment, but pray against the demons and against Satan who could well be causing or adding to the problem that's going on. On your front lines, when you encounter evil in your workplace, when you encounter the evil forces on the front line, your first tool is prayer. Claiming the power of Jesus to address the evil in that situation. In Colossians 2.15, Paul reminds us that Jesus disarmed the powers and the authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross, and he defeated them absolutely in his resurrection. The reminder, the powerful reminder to us that Satan is defeated. And he might think he's sort of had a victory with Betty, but he hasn't, has he? He was defeated at the resurrection, he's defeated today. But perhaps some of us this morning have a, a problem of evil in our lives at, at a personal level. This story is a, is a part of a series of stories which demonstrate Jesus' authority over, over the things in this world. And so in the story beforehand, he demonstrates his power over the storm. In this story, he demonstrates his power over evil. And in the next story, he'll demonstrate his power over illness. And whatever it is that might be buffeting you around this morning, whether it's, it's natural events, uh, pandemics, elections, or if it's an evil force, or if it's an illness, Jesus deals with all three of those things in the same way through his authority and power. And perhaps this morning you, you need to come up the front here and get some prayer for that area of your life where, 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 there's, where you need Jesus' power. One of the things that one of the tactics that Satan uses and the demons use as demonstrated in this text again is that he drives people into isolation. That's what he does. So, so when people have mental illness, what do they do? They, they isolate themselves. They withdraw from family. They, they shut themselves off. When, when people become drug addicts, their behaviour isolates them. It, it tends to destroy relationships and they, they end up by themselves. They end up homeless. They end up cut off. What do evil institutions do? They like to isolate people. They like to, to put people into categories and, and push them aside and, and, and force them to the extremities. But what does Jesus do? He brings people back into community. The man, the man says to Jesus, I want to go with you. And Jesus says, no, go home. Go back to your community, reconnect and, and, and over the last couple of years, some of us have been tempted to disconnect. But Jesus is about reconnecting people with communities and with families. And, and perhaps you need to, to make that decision to, to reconnect. And, and if you need some prayer about something, again, just head up, up the back there. But I'd like to just finish with the question that Jesus asked of this man. And I'd like you to imagine if Jesus came to you this morning and he said, what is your name? How would you respond? Addict? Depressive? Anxious? Fearful? That's not your name. Jesus wants to know what your name is. He wants to hear your name. He wants to extract you out of that destructive lack of identity, that terror that evil would bring into your life.
So if you need to, to get prayer this morning, please come up after the last song and somebody will be in the room there to, to pray with you. And name your name. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are all-powerful and all-good. And Lord, we want to thank you that in the midst of this battle we are involved in, in the forces of evil in this world, that you are as close as a word of prayer. And Lord, we want to repent that often we've, in our own self-sufficiency, sought to deal with the issue of sin and evil in our lives by ourselves. And so this morning, Lord, we, we, we turn to you and we seek your power and your goodness to defeat the forces of evil in our lives. It could be the lives of a friend or a, or a loved one who is struggling with, with mental illness or, or, or drug addiction or who are victims of, of an evil institution. We claim victory over the demons and, the, and Satan who would be adding to that problem or initiating that problem. And in our own lives, Lord, we hear your voice this morning asking us, what is our name? And Lord, if it is the demon within us that answers that question, Lord, we want to come to you this morning to receive salvation, to be saved. And Lord, don't let Satan and his demons stop us from accessing that power this morning. In Jesus' name we ask. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.